Um, yeah, so we're going through our psalm series over the summer, and I want to start it off just by asking this question, is what makes a good song? It could, and we, I'm sure, have a bunch of different criteria. Does it have a fun beat? Is it a real crowd pleaser at karaoke? Is Billy Ray Cyrus featured heavily? You know, all sorts of opinions we can throw out on what makes a good song. But if you were to ask me, and I know you all want to ask me, I would tell you that a good song is one that tells a story. It's one that you can listen to and walk away feeling as though you know the author a bit better. And maybe it's even a song that tells a story that you feel like you're known. You know, we fill our playlists and our Spotify, you know, listening lists with songs that we associate with. That I listen to it and I'm like, yeah, that, I feel that. That's me. You feel heard by the person singing the song. It's almost like they're singing about you. But really, you're learning about them and learning that you have this commonality with them. Well, this is something that is also applicable to Scripture, and it's something that we get to discover this summer as we dive into the Psalms. A little background on the Psalms. It's a really big book. It's actually the third uh, longest book in the Bible as far as words go. There's 150 chapters in it, and so with only 10 weeks to go through it, we're going to have to do 15 chapters at a time, so we'll have to go real fast. There will be homework. I'm just kidding. Um, but the songs are, 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 there's a variety of different songs. They vary in length, ranging from two verses to 176 verses. Imagine singing that before we had screens and projectors. They span over about a thousand years of the history of God's people, ranging all the way back from Moses to, during times in Israel's exile. And they display hundreds of accounts of people pouring out their hearts to God, singing prayers to Him from all sorts of points in their life in the hist- and throughout history. And it's a different kind of storytelling than what we're used to in the Bible. Rather than telling a historical account or just giving a narrative of people and events, instead, it's the storytelling of someone's heart. It's an honest inside look at the hearts of the songwriters. It's almost as though we're reading their diary as they're going through these life events. And, and can I, would you want someone to read your diary? Probably not unless there was a book deal involved or you were being interviewed on a podcast or something like that. But I think with that, we can tend to get this idea that Psalms is sort of reading the Bible on easy mode. It's sort of light reading. It's the stuff that we would have printed on a mug while we're reading deeper stuff like Deuteronomy. But I want to challenge us in our understanding and our idea of the Psalms this morning because while they might be penned by humans, they might be penned by people, it's a part of God's Word, which means that the Psalms are inspired and curated by God Himself. So rather than thinking that these are songs of David or whomever, let's think of these as songs written by God himself. Songs where God wants us to walk away knowing something else about him and maybe relating and knowing something else about ourselves as well. Because no matter who writes it or who the story is, God is the common thread through every psalm like he is through all of scripture. And each one of the psalms shows us more the depths of who our God is in some of the most personal accounts written in his word. And so today, usually we'll be reading through just one psalm. We're going to dive deep into it. But today we're actually going to be reading in two separate psalms to get sort of this overarching idea, kind of a microcosm of what the psalms are truly like and how God communicates through them. So we're going to be reading from Psalm 139 and Psalm 51. Uh, Now, Psalm 139 is on page 428 of the Bibles you have on the table and page 390 is Psalm 51. If you want to know where the Psalms is, it looks like this on the screen. If you open the Bible to the middle, you're probably there or pretty close. Uh, We actually have bookmarks in the info baskets as well, uh, so feel free to use those, or maybe we don't, if we do. Anyways, we're going to start with Psalm 139 (laughs) this morning. 
And a little background on what's happening as this song is being written. It's a psalm written by King David. In fact, uh, during this writing, he had just become king or was just about to become king. Um, And it's a bittersweet moment in his life because uh, he became king after King Saul had died, along with King Saul's son, Jonathan, who was David's best friend. And David loved King Saul, so it was a time of loss, but at the same time, it was a time of great advancing and liberation for David because he'd been through kind of a tumultuous journey throughout his life. It had a lot of twists and a lot of trials. He started out as a shepherd when he was anointed as king. He became a shield-bearer to King Saul, a giant slayer, a soldier, a general, then a fugitive and an outlaw. And now suddenly he's finding himself as king. A lot of transitions, a lot of different comings and goings in his life. But in all these seasons, something that was consistent about David was that he was a songwriter. He was a singer, and no matter what point in life he was in, he would always lift his heart to God in song through every single circumstance. And so now here, at another major turning point in his life, Psalm 139 is what David is communicating, what is inside his heart and inside his mind. So let's read and get a glimpse of what he has to say. Starting in verse 1, let's read through this. It says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So David's song here is a song of joyful remembrance of two things, of God's knowledge and of God's presence. David celebrates that from when he wakes up to when he goes to sleep, he is singing of how God is familiar with him and all his ways and everything that he is up to in his life. His coming and going, his thoughts and his words, even before David thinks them and speaks them, God knows him and knows them well. And we have a word for this uh, in, in theology, in Christianity. The word is this, it's called omniscience, and we'll have it on the screen. Everybody say it with me, omniscient. We say God is omniscient. What we mean when we say God is omniscient is that God sees us and knows us completely. He is all-knowing and always-knowing, and nothing escapes his awareness or his perfect understanding. Not only that, but David sings about how God is always with him. He's always there. Whether he's at his highest point or at his lowest pit in life, God is present and guiding him and upholding him. This is another word that we have for God. It's this, omnipresent. Let's say this one as well, omnipresent. One more time. There you go. So what this word means is that God is always with us. And no matter what, he's never far off, and he's never abandoning us and leaving us on our own. There's nowhere that David could find himself that God does not see him and is not right there with him, even in his darkest hour, even in darkest darkness. So remember, David is the one singing this, but remember, this is God's song. So let's, as we're reading this, what do, we, what, what do we believe God is saying to us through this passage? 
Well, what I believe he's saying is that David and we have this wonderful, passionate God. He's telling David and telling us how passionate his heart is for us and the kind of relationship that he desires and has made a way for us to have with him. You know, just like the best songs are the ones where we feel like we know someone better and we get to feel like we are known, the same goes with the best relationships where we can know someone for who they truly are and walk away feeling as though they truly know us as well. Because all of us want to feel as though somebody understands us and recognizes what we're going through. And also we want to know that somebody is there with us and is for us and on our side through the midst of life. And here God is saying, I am that someone. I want to be that someone. Just as David describes, he knows us better than anyone and is with us closer than anyone ever could be because of the power of his great love and his attentive kindness towards us. Not only is God saying, I am that someone, but in fact, God has always been that someone. Let's continue reading, picking up in verse 13. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. David goes on praising God, saying, God, you know me because you are the one who fashioned me. David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We hear that a lot, but what does that mean? It doesn't mean that God was afraid of making David or wondered about making David. No, it means that he was created with a sense of reverence. With a great precision, God fashioned David. He designed him thoughtfully and with so much personal intentionality. David's whole life is not some random, you know, point by point, just throw darts at the wall situation. Nor is it something that's happening outside of God's radar. Because David is saying, from the very beginning, you have been with me. You have been speaking over me. And you have been the one knitting me together. And also, none of the circumstances up to this point in David's life were random or off God's radar. He said, you've been with me from the beginning. You're still here with me now. And you have always been there caring and being thoughtful beyond measure. And he's the exact same God to each and every one of us. We are all likewise knit together so personally and purposefully by God. And there is no hidden point in our life in which his, his back was turned to us or he was unaware of what was going on or he wasn't caring for us perfectly. He's consistently given us his attention and his affection. And maybe some of y'all are thinking, you know, I don't Maybe you're like me, and you're like, I don't relate to happy songs. There's not a lot of happy songs on my Spotify, and this sounds like one of those happy songs right now, so I'm not vibing with this. Maybe you're saying, it sure doesn't feel like God was with me during such and such a point in my present, or maybe um, in any time of my past, it doesn't feel like God's been with me this whole time. And I want to say, somebody who could probably relate to that is David. David lived through so many troubles, like we earlier described. As a shepherd, he had to face off predators and wild animals and face disregard and disrespect from his family. As a shield bearer and a giant slayer, he was mistreated by the king that he loved. As a soldier, he fought in life-threatening battles countless of times. And up until 
this point where he's made king, he was on the run. He was betrayed and hunted by the king that he loves and his best friends. And maybe some of these sound like extreme examples, but I think we can relate to the feeling that David had. In numerous Psalms, David starts out by saying, God, where are you? Do you hear me right now? Are you even there? Are you listening to me? Now, does that mean that God wasn't there? I don't think so. Because loving someone doesn't necessarily mean that there are no tough circumstances that they have to go through. God may not spare us from all of these hard times, but that's not what he in his love has offered to us. What he has loved, what he has offered is constant access to somebody who understands, to somebody who cares and is here to listen and is reaching out to us with that understanding and with that comfort through every dark time, through every difficult time. He is assuring us, yes, I am listening. I hear you. I ache with you and I care for you. So no matter what we are going through, we can know that we can always turn to him and count on him. That's what his love is assuring us. That's what it means for him to be looking out for us and being present with us. God wants us to know through David's song here that he has always looked at you and treasured you since before you were even born, since before you could know him, he has known you. And he has been looking out for you with the same compassion that he's shown to David. It's in every dark time when we've felt unsure or insecure or alone that God was still nearby and was making a way for us to know him. Acts 17, verse 26 reads like this. He says, He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. See, God has created us for this relationship that he is constantly outpouring to us so that we could find our wholeness, find our peace in him. And everything that he has done since before we were born was to set us along a path to where we could just reach back towards him and find him because he's always there reaching out to us. He is never far away. But as I'm, as I'm telling you about this, about how God has searched us and knows us through and through, I'm sure some uncomfortable thoughts have probably arisen in the room. Lord knows it happens when I read this chapter. Because when I say God knows you completely and has seen and been there for every single moment of your life, I think some of us in our heads may immediately think, oh geez, even that moment? He even knows that about me? Because as much as we all long for connection and we long to be known, at the same time, there's so much of us that we would rather keep hidden that we would rather nobody find out about, that we would rather not have to look at ourselves. Whether it's bad choices and mistakes that we've made along the way and we deeply regret, whether it's some embarrassing moment or time of failure that we wish that everybody would just stop remembering and forget and leave behind. There's things that we are hesitant to admit to our closest friends, to our very selves, and we probably have not even brought it up to God before. Maybe struggle being honest with yourself when you've walled up things in your past, hoping that it never comes to the surface again. And I would say someone else who relates to this is David, which brings us to Psalm 51, again, page 390. A little backstory on this chapter. It might be uh, well known to y'all. Sometime after David had become king, he walked through one of the greatest downfalls of his entire life, wherein he forsook his responsibilities as king, he took a married woman named Bathsheba for himself and got her pregnant. 
And when he couldn't cover up for that and try and mask what he had done, instead he conspired to have her husband Uriah killed in battle so that he could try to get away with, what, with his sins. It's one of the most shameful acts in Scripture where here we have the king of God's people, the so-called man after God's own heart, now living at arm's length and trying to bury proof of his sins and his actions. He's living a double life at this point. However, as David had written before, God knew him completely. And he saw David and David's sin and sent somebody to confront David on what he had done. And when David realized his wrongdoing, when he was made aware of it, when it was brought before him, he wrote Psalm 51 to finally be transparent with God confess his sin and ask for God's forgiveness and restoration. So let's read. We're going to read just a couple select passages starting in verse 4. David writes this, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. This may sound like a a strange apology to us. Because David committed terrible, terrible acts against Bathsheba and against Uriah. And it involved all these other people in his wrongdoing and in his crimes. But here David is saying that his true offense was against God. Well, the reality is, it's both. He had wronged other people and he had to atone for it. In fact, David did. His life was, was difficult after this because of what he had done And he set himself up for a lot of pain that didn't need to be faced had he followed God. But this psalm isn't just a list of, I'm sorry I did such and such a thing. I'm sorry for X, Y, and Z. This is a personal connection that David is making. And a personal confession to to God as an individual because David realized how he has wronged God personally. Because this sin has taken a toll on his relationships. Because David knows that God has always been with him. Since he's been offering wisdom, which is the light of God's presence, since the very beginning of David's life. And since before David was born, he says God desires faithfulness. Now that doesn't mean that God expected David to be perfect since the day he was born and from then on. Rather, it means that God desires to faithfully have a relationship with David. That David was seen and desired since he was born. He's wanted David. Even though David acknowledges, I've been doing wrong since, since I could do anything. And here David sees his wrongdoing and the damage that it's caused the relationship that he has with God through his dishonesty and through his attempt to put distance between him and God. And I think we can find ourselves in these low points as well, you know, where somebody's done us wrong. And, you know, say, like, if I threw sand at Jenny's kids, you know, I have to apologize to Jenny's kids for throwing sand at them, but I've done something wrong to Jenny as well because I know Jenny. She's a friend of mine, and I've disrespected her by harming her children. In the same way, David has disrespected God, has dishonored his relationship and trust with God by harming the ones that God loves, by harming God's people. And so it's caused a rift in the relationship. And we can experience this when people have done us wrong or when we've done wrong to other people. There's a distance and a detachment that happens with that wrongdoing that needs to be reconciled. But remember, this is God's song. So what is God saying? What is God's perspective on this? Here he is saying, David, I have faithfully pursued you and wanted you from the beginning. And even now, 
I haven't changed my mind. I still want you. Come back to me. We can understand this better as we read more into David's confession. Let's jump ahead to verse 10. He asks God this. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David asks God, Lord, would you please not leave me? Don't break up this relationship with me. Instead, would you give me a new heart, a clean heart, and a spirit that is willing to walk with you and steadfastly remain close to you, no matter what? David knows that God isn't impressed with some modified behavior, so he's not saying, Lord, I'm never going to commit adultery again. I'm never going to conspire murder again. God desires David's heart. He desired it to be humble, to be open and honest and willing to remain close with him just as God has desired, just as God has wanted. See, God was still knowing and present and caring for David even as he was doing these despicable things. Even when David had failed him, God was unfailing in his affections. And he was willing to forgive David and reconcile that relationship between them because that is what God has always wanted. And the message of this relationship applies to us as well. Because we likewise have been fashioned by God And we have been treasured by him and desired since birth for a relationship and this closeness with a God who loves us wholeheartedly. And even though we swing back and forth, both in our circumstances and in our behaviors, God remains the same. He is never writing us off. He is never ignorant or negligent of what we are going through. And he is never cutting us off from his love or faithfulness, no matter how many times we may do him wrong. We are too deeply known to sneak past God. He has seen our every step, and so he's seen our every misstep too. And likewise, we are too deeply loved to ever change God's mind. You know, I I think sometimes we consider God to be like this quality control officer. He's just like this disappointed supervisor with a red pen and a clipboard, just kind of shaking his head in the corner, waiting for us to finally get things right. You know, when are you going to get up to that C average now, Caleb. But I think we need to think of him less as this quality control officer, but rather as a father who desires quality time with his children, who grieves every broken relationship and every time that his children try to put distance between him and them, but is always willing to love them and welcome them back with open arms and show us the openness of his honest affection for us. See, God isn't, say, God, God isn't so different from us in relationships that doing stuff isn't a relationship. I could do favors and wash dishes and fold laundry for my wife all day, but if I don't know her and if I'm not open with her, if I'm not desiring time with her, then I'm just helping out. I'm just doing chores. It's not a relationship. God is saying, I want this relationship, and I have always wanted this relationship. Through every high and every low, I have been seeking you out and caring for you perfectly. I am your father, and I desire you, not what you can offer me. He desires vulnerability from us, just as he did from David, to be open, to be honest and transparent, no matter what it is we've done or what it is we're going through. And know and trust that he is still being faithful with us, faithful to us. And that vulnerability can sometimes be uncomfortable. 
it sometimes hurts to be that seen because you wonder, what would they think? What would this person think about me if they truly knew this part of me? What would God think about me if he knew the real me? Well, God is saying, I already know. And guess what? I already died for that. I already sent my son so that you could be perfectly known and you could be perfectly loved and nothing has to stand in between us. You can be transparent with me because I love you anyways. I accept you anyways. It's why Jesus came to this earth so that we could walk in this openness knowing that we are already forgiven and already cared for and we can have this relationship with God forever. Jesus bridged that gap in the greatest act of love in all of history. And God embraces us in our whole selves, often in spite of ourselves, just as he always has and just as he always will. Charles Spurgeon has this wonderful quote that I think sums up God's affection for us and the fact that he will always remain the same and never abandon. He says this, he says, child of God, you cost Christ too much for him to forget you. He's not going to change his mind because he's already given his life. He's already priced us more than anyone else ever could, knowing all our flaws, all our mistakes. And he knows that we may swing from high to low in life. He knows that we may draw near sometimes and wander far off at other times, just like David did. But we can take heart in knowing that no matter all our fluctuations and how inconsistent we can be, God remains the same. He remains consistent through every ebb and flow of our life. And his love is always prevailing, and he is always reaching out to us with his goodness and his presence. You know, the Psalms cover such an array of highs and lows. This is only just two instances of them. And we're going to dive into them more and more over the summer. But I think one of the overarching themes throughout all of them is what we have seen here today. That we are free to bring our honest selves towards God knowing that he sees us completely and he loves us completely. And he welcomes this openness because he will not condemn us. If we draw near to him, he will honor that and he will let us be found in his love. David in Psalm 139 with this final request. Let's turn back there and it'll be up on the screen. Verse 23 and 24 reads like this. It says, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Echoing his declaration from the beginning, you know, beginning of Psalms 139, he says, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. But now David is inviting God to come in and know him. He's inviting him to search his heart and hear his every thought, anxious and imperfect as they may be. He says, God, I, I know you know me. And I want you to know me. All this so that he can walk in God's everlasting way. So God can work out any unright thing within him, any wrong thing that might lead him away. And he can enjoy this everlasting relationship with the one who is always with him and is always loving him. And the question for us today is, will we do the same? Let's pray. God, we know that you see us today. We know that um, not one heart here has escaped your sight, has escaped your, your perfect care, God. Even in difficult times and times of questioning and wandering, you have still been nearby. 
even in times when we have failed you and feel like we, we may have disappointed you, God, it didn't come as a surprise to you. And it wasn't a disappointment to you because this is exactly what you died for. This is exactly why Jesus came to earth in the first place. So God, would we, would we just have that mind within us that knows that, that you're already there and you already see it, you already hear it. And there's no use and no help in hiding. So we instead come to you with honesty, with transparency, knowing that you have remained the same through every day and year of our life. God, we desire the closeness that David sang about, the faithfulness that we know that you want and we know that you are pursuing us with. We walk away with a heart that treasures your consistency, treasures your presence and your knowledge. And will we desire a clean heart, a new heart, and steadfast spirits to walk in your ways, walk in your presence. Would you continue to speak to us throughout this day, God, throughout our lives? Show us how deeply we are known and how deeply we are valued. God, we thank you for songs like this that remind us of the truth of your word and the truth of your great heart for us. Will we never grow tired of discovering the depths of you? through your word, and through the way that you walk with us each and every day of our life. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice and the way that you bought us back, has given us life, and have given us your perfect presence for all eternity. Would it be our greatest treasure and our greatest aim to walk nearer to you day after day? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.